0: This is Clutch Fans. Oh! From the parking lot! The Rockets are House. Sweet it is!
1: And by the way, shout out to the Clutch Fans.
0: You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast. An open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards.
1: Houston Rockets is unbeatable. i
0: ready to get on Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty.
1: Hey, welcome back. It's not often that we will have podcasts on back-to-back days. Uh, But with the draft coming up on Thursday, I'm absolutely ecstatic to have with me today the Houston Rockets Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations and Assistant General Manager, Gerson Roses. Uh, Gerson, thank you so much for coming on.
0: Uh, It's always a pleasure, Dave. You guys do a great job of covering our team and supporting our team, and and you guys are what it's all about.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, You know, for those that don't know, uh, Gerson is also the general manager of the Rio Grande Valley Vipers, uh, the Rockets D-League affiliate. Uh, and, Gerson, it was um, quite an amazing year for you. Uh, you traded for the player who turned out to be the MVP of the league in Andrew Goudlach. Uh You guys won the D-League championship for the second time in four years uh, and, oh, by the way, did it without that MVP in the playoffs. Uh, and you topped that off by the Vipers being named by the league as the development champions, which is the team that is – deemed to have the best year developing NBA talent via call-ups and assignments. I don't know if that's the D-League Triple Crown, but it probably should be. Um, You know, congratulations to you and the Vipers for all that you accomplished this year.
0: Thanks for your kind words, Dave. But, you know, we've, we've got a great group in place here and, uh, both in our front office and with our coaching staff, Nick Nurse and his staff did an unbelievable job this year, but it's a culmination of a lot of, a lot of hard work and a lot of committed efforts. but it was a fun year. Uh, one of the biggest things that we pride ourselves on is that we use the D League as a tool and uh, it's very rewarding when you've got young players and you're looking at new players and, you know, we're not going to be a, a D-League roster that has vets, guys that, you know, have been around. We want new evaluations. We want new development. And things things fell in place for us in a great way. Our, our front office staff did a great job in the draft to set up the season for us. You know, some of the guys that we were able to acquire on draft night, uh, you know, whether it's the trades that we made, uh, getting a guy like Tim Ulbricht, who uh, was an international prospect, Terray Murray, who we got in the first round, who became a key player for us. Uh, getting a guy like a local kid, Mike Singletary, later in the draft and using him as a as a big part of the trade to get Andrew Goodlock here and then uh Stumbling upon Glenn Rice there in the fourth or the fifth round of the D-League draft and seeing his development and his fruition. Uh, Our staff did an unbelievable job of being prepared for the draft, maximizing that opportunity. And we gave a lot of talent to a great coach, Nick Nurse, who deserved the Coach of the Year award. And him and his staff uh, made the most of that team. And it's, it's a challenging environment, Dave. That roster changes two, three times throughout the season. In between assignments and call-ups and different players, uh, it was it was a very fulfilling season. Uh, we've established a high level, uh, a high bar of success down there, being in three finals and four seasons. But uh, it it was nice to get the championship back in the valley. Uh, but it was you know it was just as rewarding to be named development champions because what goes into that is what um, what the league is all about and what helps the Houston Rockets the most, and that's developing players, evaluating players, and helping our our NBA roster and our NBA organization to be stronger.
1: And you talked about using that as a tool. I I look at the Rockets as a team that was just so ahead of the curve, in my opinion, uh, in embracing the D-League. I look at Greg Smith uh, just as a true D-League success story, someone who developed with the Vipers and had a real impact on the Rockets. Uh, it, It really seemed to me that You know, that back then when you guys first had this affiliation, that uh, it was going to be hard to overcome this sort of negative connotation of being sent to the, you know, quote unquote minor leagues. Um, But there were over, I think, 25 players drafted last year that were sent to the D League, 11 or 12 first round picks, uh, including a few lottery picks. Are we seeing that stigma slowly eroding away with new draft classes that come in? It definitely is, and uh, our owner Leslie Alexander deserves a lot of credit. Uh,
0: the hybrid model was kind of his vision. Uh, you know, we wanted to be involved in 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 the in minor league basketball. Uh, he's a big believer, as we are, in player development, and that the minor leagues were the next extension or the next stage to develop and evaluate players. And we didn't want to own the team. We felt like local ownership was key for a minor league situation, but we, want, we wanted to run the basketball operations. And, that, and that's our expertise and that's where our focus is and uh, the ability to be involved with Real Grand Valley Vipers and the ownership group there and to focus on the things we gotta focus. I, I, I think this year was the greatest year of the D League, the highest level of talent, the most assignments, the most call ups, the uh the level of success is higher and the model is what it is. I think players wanna be in the NBA, that's natural. Uh, But they're realizing the players that come through the D-League are going to get evaluations, and they're going to get NBA exposure, and they're going to get an opportunity to play at the biggest level. I think you see the finals, you see the playoffs, you see our team, and you see the number of players who have spent time in the D-League, and it's becoming a norm uh, more than just you know, guys who are going there for negative reasons, I think there's a lot of focus on the positive reasons, which is our biggest philosophy has always been you're going to develop through playing. And there's only so much you can do in practice. There's only so much you can do in individual workouts. For us, having a platform in place where we hire the coaches, where we hire the trainers, where we hire the staff, where we're involved in on a daily basis, our whole Front office staff is involved in on a daily basis. They're an extension of the Houston Rockets, and uh, whether it's assigning one of our roster players and helping them to get better, or finding a Tim Oubre, finding a uh, James Anderson, finding uh, you know uh, a Greg Smith like we've done in the past, uh, all that trickles up and it, it it helps us to be the organization that we hope to one day become. Just maximizing all our resources.
1: You know, you mentioned Glen Rice Jr. Uh, DJ Kennedy was another guy. Uh, that really impressed me, I, a guy you acquired mid-season uh, from the Erie BayHawks, uh, Put up 21-9-6 and six in the playoffs, had an impressive triple-double uh, in the game that, that sent you guys to the finals, uh, and Glenn Rice Jr. as well. Uh, those two guys seemed to step up um, in, in Gowlock's absence, but Glenn Rice Jr. Uh, <clears throat> is draft eligible, as you mentioned, came on strong uh, in the second half of the season for you. I think he averaged 25 and uh, almost 10 boards, a couple steals, a couple blocks in the playoffs. Can you talk a little bit about him? Uh, what you saw in the year with, that he played with you guys in the Vipers? He's
0: uh, he's a special story for the D League. Uh, you know, it's a different norm in that you have a player with draft eligibility coming into the league and getting an opportunity to play and develop. And our staff down there deserves a lot of credit because they worked hard with him on a day-to-day basis. But Glenn Glenn deserves a lot of credit as well. I think his maturation, uh, his development uh as a player both on and off the court uh you know and it's tough for young guys you go you're in you're in in different platforms professionally and uh especially when you start in college and then you move to a, to the D league where there's grown men and the uh the pressure to succeed is very high the competition level is very high uh i, I don't think fans realize how high the level of play in the D-League is. And, you know, it's a league that's had its ups and downs and it's had simple beginnings, but it's developing at a very high level. And because you have NBA players and because you have near-NBA players, the level is very comparable to uh, uh, probably better than most high-level college teams. And uh, when you have that much talent concentrated, uh, it, it helps players develop. And I think that's one of the biggest benefits to Glenn Uh, he was fortunate enough to take advantage of a great coach, Nick Nurse, who put him in a position to succeed. And and Glenn committed himself and did the things that he needed to do to be successful at that level and put himself in a very positive situation in terms of the draft. But guys like D.J. Kennedy, um, you know, to be fair about that transaction, we were very fortunate to have Andrew Gudlock as long as we did. We acquired him uh, midseason, and he was a key part in, and turning our season around and to be fair we made the DJ Kennedy trade cuz we felt like at any moment Andrew was going to be called up to the league and <laughs> we were fortunate enough that it lasted as long as it did so uh he was he was the next guy in place to take um, take that role and take that opportunity and then to see Glenn's development as we extended through the season and into the playoffs was very rewarding, and that was one of the primary reasons uh, we were able to win the championship there. Our our guys came together. Nick did a fabulous job in in keeping those guys focused and committed, and uh, it's a lot of fun, Dave. We didn't have the uh, 22-game winning streak, but we finished the season there with 16 wins in a row, including the playoffs. That that, that was a very uh, special and fulfilling experience.
1: You know, the NBA draft is uh, this Thursday. There's been a lot of talk about no surefire all-stars being in this draft, no players in the highest tiers, if you will, um, but that there could be good value in the mid to late first and early second rounds uh, with comparable players that could go number 15 to number 40. Uh, Do you feel that way, and and what caliber of player do you think the Rockets uh, can draft at number 34 compared with in prior drafts? Uh, I do do
0: feel as though there are quality players in this draft. Uh, You know, there's maybe not, it's... As strong a standout group as in the past uh, or or in other years, but I do feel as though that the uh, talent is very flat. I, you know, I've said before I think the range from 25 to 35, even to 40, is very flat. Of course, in the draft, you always want to be in the front of the pool to take your pick. <laughs> I think if you're at 20, 25 you know 26 27 28 you're going to be able to choose from the front of the pool when you're where we're going to be at 30 to 35 35 to 40 you're going to get the end of the pool but to me the separation and talent uh, is very minimal uh, at that level this year in this draft I think uh, you're seeing some teams wanting to trade back to pick up some assets or to be involved and uh, you know it just comes down to uh how you find you know how players fall on your on your board uh, at the end of the day and I, I think at 34 we'll get comparable talent but i think it'll come down to do we want to take a step off and pick the top guy in the pool or are we comfortable with the guy that's going to be there at 34 but it, it's it's an interesting year where at 34 you feel like you're going to get solid talent uh you can find a solid player uh the, the differentiation in talent from the 25 to 30 is probably not going to be as, as big in prior years. But then it comes down to the opportunity. I think one of the things that are very misleading about the draft is, uh, you know, every player doesn't go into every situation and have success. It's a very complicated process, and I think Daryl's spoken about this before. Uh, there's a lot of factors in play. Uh, does the player end up in the right situation in the right system with the right opportunity with the right coach and uh the reality is all those things have to line up you know some of our players that have had success if they were in other situations might not have that, had that level of success other players that have had success in the league might not have had success with us at that point in time and Interesting. The, the draft is uh, is a very volatile system it's a very volatile process and you know, nobody hits a thousand in this business. You're trying to get the most information you can, you can, to make the most informed decision. But it's uh, it's a difficult process. But it's a passion of what we do, and it's a compilation of all the work that we do throughout the player's career to evaluate them. And as players are selected in the draft, and you know, you you do the best that you can to give them an opportunity to be successful.
1: I know you uh, can't discuss individual prospects in this draft, but. There are a handful of uh, draft eligible prospects playing overseas that could go in the first to early second round. Uh, what's your take on this draft? The pool of international talent available in this draft?
0: I think it's one of the biggest reasons why that talent level is so flat. I think last year was a hard year uh, internationally for the draft. It was it was thin, and and a lot of it was our fault. You know, over the last two or three years, we've taken players that are really young, and uh, the market was was pretty light there, but. This year we're seeing a bounce back year where uh, you know there's there's a there's a strong group of internationals that could go anywhere from you know uh, six seven to fifty five uh, but there's good depth there there's good talent uh there's good young players uh you know it, it's a good group that's pushing back some talent to us at thirty four uh that might be interesting you know, there's there's some international there that are interesting for us. I think anytime you pick an international, it gives you flexibility uh it gives you opportunity to plan their development uh but because of that, I think that's one of the primary reasons why uh where we're at we're at a flat level of talent because the internationals are giving us different alternatives.
1: What feel uh, do you have uh, for which players are willing to play overseas for at least another year? I mean, is that something that you guys kind of go into the draft knowing, gathering this information in interviews, uh, regardless of projected draft position? Uh,
0: You know, I think it comes down to to a case-by-case basis. I think uh, where players are in their development curve, where they're at uh, contractually, and where they're playing at in terms of the league play a big part in – the individual player's decision to decide where they're going to play next year and the team's recommendations. So we feel like there's good options uh, for players that want to stay overseas, um, and because of that we feel like uh, you can give a team more flexibility. Uh, but at the same time, there's some international players that are ready to come, and a lot of it depends on your stage as a team and your opportunity for those players to play.
1: You know, you guys, uh, after the draft, won't even have much time to rest. A free agency starts July 1st. Um, Fans have a good idea of what plan A is for the Rockets. Plan B is what is a total mystery to us. And uh, since it is by no means a certainty that plan A will work out, how have the Rockets uh, been preparing for various other contingencies? And do you feel good about ways uh, that the Rockets can use that cap room outside of a max free agent signing?
0: Well, one thing uh, our fans should know is that uh, we're going to be uh, thoroughly prepared. I think we analyze and evaluate every scenario, uh, whether it's free agency or whether it's trade. One of our key strengths and advantages is that we try to maximize every opportunity, uh, both in terms of the player personnel and in terms of the financial. And uh, we're, we've got all the scenarios lined up. You know you hope things break in your way and and you're advantageous in terms of free agency and trades and the draft, but uh uh you can rest assured we've looked at we've looked at every scenario we're prepared for every scenario we're very creative uh we've got we've got a great young team that we feel has a lot of upside, and we want to maximize uh the windows for our players and whether that means through free agency or trade. Uh, our our job every day is to come in here and maximize our resources uh to bring the best players here to get uh you know future resources or assets that will help us to put the best team together so we're going to explore everything uh you know we hope we do well in free agency that's our goal that's our motivation but uh with our flexibility and uh with 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 our roster that's in place uh, we're in a position to take advantage of, of, of a lot of opportunities, so we've got good good cap space foundation, uh, and we, we've, we're prepared to take a, to do the best that we can with what's available in the market.
1: You know, I mentioned the negotiating period starts on July 1st, but players uh, can't actually sign until July 10th, I believe. Um, if the Rockets need to trade a player or a team in general needs to trade a player in order to create some cap room for a significant free agent acquisition, how does the team calculate the timing of a move like that given that there's no guarantee that a significant free agent uh, will be you know, acquired uh the the key there is just being prepared
0: uh we we do a good job of, of knowing knowing the temperature of the league and having conversations in terms of trades and uh decisions that we have to make with players on our roster and i think uh, i think we're prepared i think we're we're uh we're prepared to react accordingly. Uh, if, if, if you know, if a free agent decides that he wants to come, I think we're going to be prepared to take advantage of that opportunity. And I think our flexibility uh, financially, I think our flexibility in terms of contracts uh, allow us to prepare. I think we're fortunate that we have uh, we have good young players that are valued around the league. I think we have good options. We've got we've got an owner that gives us every resource uh, to get deals done. And when you're in that situation, and we and we've got a f- great front office staff here uh, that allows us to be prepared in terms of the cap, in terms of financials. So we'll go into this process very thoroughly prepared, knowing what our scenarios are and able to take advantage of them as as decisions are made.
1: You know, it's been reported that uh, several of your veterans uh will not have their options picked up or or will be waived in order to keep the team's options open this summer. If that does happen, do you envision bringing one or more of those veterans back, perhaps at a lower salary?
0: Uh, I think realistically we haven't made any decisions. I think, as I said, uh, uh, our scenarios are in place we know the decisions we have to make uh our our philosophy is always to wait to the last moment to make those decisions because you don't you never know what's going to happen but um i, I do think uh, our focus moving forward is on putting the best talent on the floor uh finding guys that fit our philosophy and fit how we want to play and i think some of those guys that we have decisions to make are on this team and on this roster because they they fit they fit us and they they allow us to win at a higher level. So I think uh, it's a process where we'll we'll make those decisions uh, as time passes, Uh, but we want to be as thorough and prepared as possible.
1: Uh, Furkan Aldemir is a 6'9 forward with the 53rd pick of the draft last year by the Clippers acquired um, by you guys in a draft day trade. Can you give me your assessment or scouting report uh, of Aldemir and what Rocket fans uh, can expect to see out of him?
0: He's a high motor big who loves the rebound, and uh, our fans know that those are a couple of things that we strongly value uh from a personnel basis but he's a he's a good young player in Turkey who's uh very motivated to come to the NBA who's had a strong career in Turkey uh for for a young player uh but he is more of a defensive guy he is more of a role player he's he's a runner offensively uh and a guy that's going to do the little things he's going to set screens uh he's a guy who's going to be uh, very flexible in terms of his role offensively but defensively he's a guy that battles he's a guy that rebounds he he does the little things, and he's he's probably been one of the top rebounders in Europe at his age class throughout his career, uh, and even now professionally, he's a guy who, when he's on the floor, he rebounds. And uh, as I said earlier, for our system, for our style of play, uh, you know, a guy that's mobile, a guy that rebounds, a guy that's got a good motor is is a, is a key for a key piece for us in terms of how we play.
1: As you mentioned, because he has uh, sort of a niche or his expertise is specific uh, rebounding, does that make him more NBA-ready, more rotation-ready than, say, a Donatus Montiunis was last year? And and you mentioned him being a big. Can he maybe play some backup center here?
0: Uh, I think more than likely uh, Furkan will uh, be more 5 than 4. Mm-hmm. I think he's got similar challenges to Donatas in that you know he does. You know he's probably a better rebounder, but at the same time, when you come from the international game and you're at a very young age, physical development is key. Getting stronger uh, and not just in terms of weight, but core strength uh, is important. And I think that's a process that you've got to be patient. It takes time. I think Furkan will go through it. I think physically. Uh, They've got similar challenges, but it's not anything that they can't overcome. Um, Donatus Multiunas has been bouncing around. He's actually in in Europe now, but he left here uh, in in unbelievable shape, having an opportunity to work with our strength guys, and uh, left here weighing 257. So for us... a lot of positivity. You know, you've got to be patient with young players, especially bigs, and all our bigs, whether it's Donatas or Thomas Robinson or Terrence Jones, you've got to be patient with them. It doesn't happen overnight. Furkan is more of a defensive role player. Donatus is more of an offensive complementary player. Uh, and, and those guys take time. We we try to be as patient as possible with them, especially through the physical development. We're seeing the returns on Donatas now, and I think Furkan will be similar. It'll be a transition, and it'll be a, a process where they, you know, they have to learn the NBA game, and then they have to get their body and their game accustomed to this level.
1: Sergio Yule is a uh, you know six foot three, six four combo guard out of Spain. Uh, another player the Rockets acquired in a draft day trade, uh, the thirty fourth pick of the two thousand nine draft. Um, can you talk a little bit about his game, uh, how he's performing currently right now overseas, and uh, you know if there's any shot we'll see him in a Rockets uniform someday?
0: He's a, a very special talent, and he's playing at a very high level. And we've been very thorough in terms of his evaluation and his development and at the same time very respectful. He's playing in one of the top teams in Europe at Real Madrid and uh, you know his message to us is he, he's motivated to come to the NBA but he wants to come at the right time. Hmm. A couple of things that that come into play with that are he wants to uh he wants to win at a very high level in Europe and he wants to come when he has an opportunity to play and, and we can understand that and when we draft an international player, we, we work with those guys hand in hand to make sure the timing is right. The worst, worst thing you can have is to bring a guy over, uh, too soon and it doesn't work out, uh, for us. It's, it's a manner of communication. Uh, he's got a great situation with his team in Real Madrid. I mean, what he's doing is very special. Uh, you know, unfortunately lost in the Euro League championship, but he was, uh, he was a primary piece of that team and then more fortunately here recently in the past week you know won the the uh, Spanish championship and uh, was a critical piece for that team so for us, uh, I think we're very fortunate that he's playing at a high level, that he's having the success he's had. He's wanted to win championships and have success at a high level in Spain, and now that he's accomplishing that, I think he's focusing on his next challenge, which will be for the NBA. But again, that's that's a day-to-day process. We want to make sure that he's that he's focused when he's when he comes, and I think we'll be prepared for him when that when that opportunity arises.
1: Uh, Thomas Robinson, uh, a guy who in last year's draft just a year ago was projected by many to be, I would say, the consensus number two pick, or, or it seemed that way from reports, uh, certainly went number five, <clears throat> seems to have a lot of talent, but was you know, traded once in his rookie year and, and sort of struggled in his rotation stint here with the Rockets. What was your take on his rookie year and his uh, future prospects?
0: Well the league is is a very unforgiving place for young players and, hmm. and and that's understandable that that's a reality uh we we all know that and unfortunately we feel like Thomas has been caught up in a bit of a perfect storm uh I don't think he showed the type of NBA player he can be and part of that is you know we can't speak on the situation in Sacramento but he didn't get that opportunity to do it uh, to play and do the things that he needed to do. And then when he came to us in the midseason trade, it, it was difficult because, uh, with, with such a young team, you know, he wasn't in a position where he has, he had practices or he had a training camp or extended time to learn the system, to learn what we were trying to do. And as a result of that, um, you know, throughout the, the second half of the season, there just wasn't much opportunity for him. We were in a, in a playoff run. Uh, our coach's focus specifically at that position was more of an offensive role, more of a spacing role, and because of that, we played smaller. You know, we we had Delfino playing a lot of minutes there, we had Chandler playing minutes there, and uh, because of that, I think he was challenged. Uh, but I, I'm a big believer in Thomas Robinson. He's probably been our best off-season worker. Him and him, hmm. him and Denatus. Uh, the guy's been here all summer working day in and day out uh, in constant contact with our coaches. He's hungry. He's motivated. But it, it's what I said earlier, Dave. In the draft, it's such a mixed bag. You've got to be in the right opportunity, in the right situation, in in, in the right system. And uh, when those things line up for you, you have a chance to be successful. But for me, I think Thomas Robinson is uh, – is is, is, an, is a very interesting talent that with a full off season, with a full training camp, is a guy that can help us in different ways. I think one of the advantages we have is we have a coach, and Kevin McHale and his staff, who are very creative. I think when you look at Thomas Robinson, what he brings to the floor in terms of rebounding, defense, activity, and athleticism, we need that. And we have a coach and staff who's very creative, and I think – they're going to work hard to find ways to play him, you know, whether it's at the four where we've got a couple of other young players that we're trying to to, uh, develop, uh, or even at the five, I think, you know, playing as a guy off the bench for some of our young bigs, we're going to be very creative and give them opportunities to play and to show what they can do. Uh, But it takes time. You can't, you can't jump the gun on these guys. Young players development in the NBA takes time and you see a lot of mistakes throughout the league when, um, teams make quick decisions on players and they don't give them a chance to develop you know there comes a point where you've got to make a cut and you've got to make a point and we've done that you know we don't bat a thousand in this business we make mistakes and sometimes you've sure. got to cut your losses but at the same time we've got a strong corporate uh, belief that you've got to invest in these guys and you've got to give them opportunities and give them an opportunity to be, to succeed and uh, Thomas is a guy who's um, doing everything within his power this summer to become a better player and to contribute to this team, and because of that, I think he, he deserves credit.
1: You know, I was uh, bummed out that you guys uh, took my Vegas vacation away from me this summer, but uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to Orlando Summer League. starts on July 7th, uh, goes to the 12th. I know that roster won't be set until after the draft, and you guys uh, you know, take a look at some of the players that go undrafted on Thursday, but as far as current rockets, or do you expect we'll see Terrence Jones, uh, Royce White again in the summer league? Could we maybe see Burke uh, on Aldemir possibly in Orlando as well? Uh,
0: you know, we we look at the D, at uh, the summer league kind of like the D league, and. Uh, we uh, we have our a lot of our guys play in the uh, in summer league. I don't want to reveal some names, but we'll have some surprises of some guys that'll be playing there. And a lot of it is because we're 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 such a young team. We've got to continue to get better. And better means in terms of personnel, in terms of the player but it also means in terms of system and fit. And uh, our coaches are in here preparing for next season, preparing for how we're going to play, making adjustments. Some of the things that we've learned this year offensively and defensively, that's one of the advantages when you have a young team Uh, When you have a young group of guys and you can experiment with them in the summer league, it makes things easier for training camp and even going into the regular season. So I think you're going to see a lot of familiar faces in summer league. I think, you know, our coaches are hard at work here preparing uh, for that process. And when you're a young team, you've got to maximize every window uh, to play and to develop. And
1: and that's what we're going to do with summer league. Uh, Gerson, I can't thank you enough. You know, for me, it's been a pleasure to watch your career over the years i just one last question before you go is just what's it like for you to have your career here with the rockets a team that you loved as a fan growing up
0: uh, i'm very blessed you know it's it's not often that as a local guy who who grew up pulling for this team and who was around for the championships and uh you know enjoy like all our other fans here in the city to have the opportunity to day in and day out come in and help your local team become a championship team, and, and I take that as a, as a special opportunity and, and a responsibility to our fans. I think there's nothing like it. For me, I'm very fortunate at this stage of my career to have the role that I have, but it wouldn't have been possible with without a lot of people who, who opened the doors for me. You know, Darrell's placed an immense amount of trust in me. Leslie Alexander has been great to me, and even back to when I started, the Carol Dawson's, the Dennis Lindsay's, they they've always been great to me, but Dave, you're, uh, you're, if not the biggest fan, you're one of the biggest (laughs) fans. And and to know how much this organization, this franchise means to us, to me, it's at a higher level. I grew up here. I was here when the championships were here. And to come in every day and and do whatever I can, you know, this is not a job. This is not a nine-to-five. This is a passion. And to be in a situation where you're employed, employed by the organization and And you you do everything you can. I think our motivation, and not just me, but our front office here, is we feel the pain of the fans. It was great to be in the playoffs, but we want to be playing for championships. We want to be a San Antonio. We want to be a Miami. We want to be at the highest level in the NBA, and we want to go back to the days when we were celebrating championships here in Houston. But it's a day-by-day process. But uh, I'll tell you, Dave, I'm enjoying it all
1: the way. That's awesome. Uh thank you so much, Kirsten, and uh good luck to you, Daryl and, and the entire staff on Thursday.
0: I appreciate it and we appreciate all our uh our clutch fans. You guys are a big part of what we do and and it's uh it's great to uh to have this team where it's at and the and the future success that may come.